And now Barzell skates out for New York through the middle. Loops back to his own blue line. Now we'll get the puck to Dobson, comes in, shoots and scores! Noah Dobson walked in and with a hard wrist shot, it beats Koskinen to the stick side and the Islanders will win this one 3-2 in overtime. Overtime loss for the second straight day for the Edmonton Oilers. That's Cam Moon calling Noah Dobson's game winner with a minute eight left in the three-on-three. So the Islanders take it 3-2. The Oilers' record drops to 18-12-2 on the season. The Islanders, who are trying to claw back in it, are now 10-12-6. Happy New Year along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Centre for Heartland Ford. Overtime open line. It was a game that saw the Oilers, uh, the Oilers fall behind again they have allowed the first goal in 19 of their last 23 games this one on a power play goal by Anders Lee late in the first period a a period in which the Oilers played okay it was a relatively low event first period but they took a couple of penalties and paid for the second one Edmonton in control in the second period they got goals from Drysdale and Nurse they had the lead but then the uh the third, all Islanders. It took Edmonton 14 and a half minutes to get a shot on goal. The shots were 14-2 for the Islanders. So if you just look at that period, Edmonton probably a little fortunate even to get a point out of this game. Rob Brown. I, I mean, you, I mean, with this game was with overtime looming. I, I, I was thinking, well, whoever doesn't get the two here is going to feel like they should have won it in regulation time because the Oilers were probably thinking we needed another one in the second period and the Islanders are probably thinking how do we only have one with a 12 shot advantage on the shot clock yeah it was it was a weird game because the first game as you said was pretty excuse me the first period was pretty even Uh, the Islanders chances were on their power play five on five they really didn't get a whole lot and the Oilers had a couple looks Uh, the second period was all Oilers and the the score showed it. They outscored the Islanders 2-0 in the second period and were dominant. And uh, the ice was tilted. And maybe the ice at this new arena in, in Long Island is tilted because in the third period, the puck stayed in the exact same end the whole time. Unfortunately for the Oilers, it was their defensive end. And it was shift after shift after shift where the Islanders controlled play in the offensive zone. And the Oilers' only plays were icing it or flipping all the way down and changing. Uh fatigue probably became a problem for the Oilers. Uh, Their top players played a lot yesterday afternoon, then a very quick turnaround. They're here again today, missing a Nugent Hopkins, who takes up a a big amount of ice time, and the Oilers looked fatigued in the third period. And uh, a couple big saves from Koskinen allowed them to get to overtime. And in overtime, you would think they'd have an advantage, but it just takes one mistake or one misread, and on that one was poor gap control just because of the way that Barzell brought the puck up, and Dobson walks into it, makes no mistake. So uh, the Oilers, I I think they're going to be happy with a much better low-event game, not giving up as many odd-man breaks, but still disappointed in the fact that after that second period, scoring the two goals, they probably, with a lead in the third period, here's a great opportunity to win a game on the road that they unfortunately fell short again. All right, let's go back to Long Island. Here's Oilers head coach Dave Tippett. Better defensive play, and you got it today. You did get the offense, too. I know the result is still the same as yesterday, but did you feel like the the overall game was better? It was a hard-fought game. Yesterday's game was loose both ways, you know, lots of goals going in, but tonight was a hard-fought game. That's a a hard turnaround when you have... uh, 
back to back in the afternoon. Our guys competed hard right to right to the end. I thought we got a, you could tell we were tired a little bit in the third period, but we hung in there. Uh, I give our guys a lot of credit. They competed hard. They played uh, played a style that we had to play today to try to give ourselves a chance to win. And it's unfortunate we couldn't get the extra point. Yeah, third periods and back-to-backs are always difficult. What did you think of the second period where your team really came out and started to, to yeah. play? I know the second way you period liked. was real strong, really strong. Yeah, we uh, gained some momentum there, got ourselves back in the game, got a lead, and then uh, third period they came out. You know, we, we did some good things. We had pucks behind them. We were real quick. In the third period, they came out, pushed hard. We got pinned in our zone a couple of shifts there that uh, they gained some momentum off that. But, you know, we, we hung around it. We we did uh, we had some guys play pretty well tonight. The Ryan and Sevier and Benson line played, uh, gave us some good energy tonight. You know, we, uh, we competed the whole game. It's unfortunate we couldn't get the extra point. Uh, Dave, do you have an official word on Nugent Hopkins or Mike Smith? Nothing on Nuge. I think Nuge flew home today, so he's uh, he's going to get some tests done. Mike Smith has a, an upper body injury that uh, he sustained in in overtime the other night that uh, wouldn't allow him to back up today. We'll see where he is. He's just day to day. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, that's head coach Dave Tippett after the Oilers lose 3-2 in overtime to the Islanders. All right. So the injury update, Rob. First of all, Nuge and Hopkins uh, leaving the team to come back to Edmonton. Not good with uh, games coming up on Monday and Wednesday. No, certainly not good. That usually means a little more serious than uh, a day-to-day. And with Smith, I mean, we'll see. We speculated before the game. Is this a recurrence of the injury that kept them out for over two months from October 19th till when he came back on Wednesday? Well, apparently not because that was lower body. I mean, again, Smith joked that said you could list off all my body parts and I won't tell you but we did know it was lower body so this is upper body so this is apparently something else now again uh, Dave Tippett says he's day-to-day we know with his last injury day-to-day turned into week to week after a while and then got back to day-to-day before he finally played well actually ended up being month to month (laughs) At the very end of it, because he was gone for a couple of months. Uh, you, you hope it's nothing serious, because the one thing that the Oilers have not had... Now, every team goes through injuries. Every team has had to deal with COVID this year. Uh, every team's had to deal with having their lineup disrupted. But the one thing that the Oilers have not had this year is a an extended period of time with their number one goaltender. And uh, I know that Mike Smith's last two games are not the Mike Smith that we saw last year, but... It's hard for you to, as a goaltender to get back to mid-season form when you never get a mid-season, when you're only playing two games and done. So uh, the Oilers uh, are, would be desperate to see what they could do if they have their number one goalie back playing in the way he wants. And now Koskinen was good tonight, but Koskinen has been better in smaller spurts. And I think that's what they need to see. So hopefully this is nothing major with Mike Smith. Hopefully this is a day-to-day and they just wanted to get him some extra rest. They had a third goalie already there. Let's get him in the lineup and and keep Smith off the ice. But that's something I guess we're going to have to wait and see over the next few days. Yeah, well, maybe we'll even know something tomorrow if they call up Skinner from the minors, right? Then, Then we know it might be a little longer with Smith. Which is true. Uh, I mean, there there could be a musical chairs over the next few days with goaltending because I, I do believe that if Skinner does come up, I don't think he'll sit up here while they're practicing for two weeks when they only have the one game due to the cancellations. I think they'd rather have him playing, but again, it all is right now on the 
uh, on whatever injury that Mike Smith have. That'll be the decision will be made once they figure out if it's any longer than a day or two. Yeah, well, and I, I mean, we're into January now, and obviously there are going to be some games made up here, uh, hopefully mostly during the Olympic break. The Oilers have now had a total of eight games postponed. Four of them are already behind them. They have four games upcoming postponed. But, I mean, we get a lot of questions about would the Oilers try to acquire a goalie? And, uh, I mean, look, clearly they got to see what they have with Smith or if they have nothing with Smith. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? If Smith isn't even available. Well, see, and that's, that's a worst-case scenario for them, Reed. Uh, you know, best-case scenario, Smith comes in and plays and plays consistently and he gives them the exact same what they got last year. Then they, they'll think they made the right decision. They got him. They got Koskinen as a backup and Skinner in, in case there's something wrong. Uh, another scenario is where Smith comes in and doesn't play well. And then they say, okay, we need to get a goalie at the deadline if we want to make a run for this. Now, that is actually a better scenario than the one they're at right now because at least you have a decision and you know. If you don't get to see a consistent Mike Smith before the trade deadline, if you don't get to see what he's going to do, now you're now you just don't know because okay, we haven't seen him. He hasn't played enough. Do we need a goalie? Is he going to come back and be that guy? It's just too many unknowns. So uh, the worst case scenario is if he's in and out of the lineup where he doesn't get a, a long stretch of games to see if he can get back to where he needs to be for this team to be successful. Because again, the Oilers have a lot of good things going for them. Uh, there's a lot of strengths to this team, but the one thing that they have is the uh, propensity, or the they they seem to give up a lot of Grade A scoring chances. They will not survive in the playoffs with average to slightly above average goaltending. They need very good goaltending. If they get that, they can be a very successful team. But they give up too many great chances to get by with just good goaltending. So they need to see what Mike Smith can give them. Oilers lose 3-2 in overtime. I, I mean, I think they got a good start today by Koskinen. He did give up uh, three goals, including the game winner in overtime, but uh, pretty important in the third period to keep the Oilers alive. And, and even in the second period, the Oilers dominated. Two or three chances the Highlanders had were really, really good, and Koskinen was able to hold the fourth there. So he comes back after not playing in a while. Pretty good start for him. It, it was. It was a very good start. Uh, and it would be a tough start, too. You know, he, he had a struggle in his last four games, 17 goals against. He'd lost, I believe, the last four games that he played. Uh, so he's coming in and a lot of pressure on him. And then you go stretches in this game where there was no chances. So now you're getting, you're standing down there. You may, you have more time to think than you probably want, and it's a stressful game because it's a close game. So now one mistake could be the difference between, you know, two points or no points. And he made those big saves that he had to. There was a again in that second period, the Oilers were by far the better team in the second period. But there were two mistakes that the Oilers made, big mistakes that created two on ones and odd man scoring chances. And Koskinen was very good on those. Uh, and then the third period. I mean, the shots are 14 to 2. The the New York Islanders would have been very disappointed not to get two points in this hockey game. And the Oilers are fortunate that Koskinen was as good as he was in that third period to allow them to get to overtime. So, yeah, a strong start for Koskinen. Uh, and we'll see if that strong start is what gets him in the net against the Rangers next game or if we see Smith or if we see Skinner. Uh, I guess right now it's just... Uh, Hope that uh, Mike Smith 
is able to to get back in the net pretty quickly. 3-2, the Islanders win in overtime. Rob, I, I want to touch on something else here. So the Islanders go one for two on the power play. The Oilers did not have a power play. For Extreme Power Products, your full-line Kubota dealer with locations in St. Paul, Westlock, and Vegreville, check out Extreme with an XPowerProducts.com. The Oilers only have four power plays in their last four games. They, they had five the game before that, and the three previous games to that, they only had two each. And this is not at all a comment on the officiating. I, I mean, to, to have power plays, you have to have the puck, and you have to have teams under pressure. Now, okay, and, and yes, you give defenders credit sometimes if, if they don't take penalties. And I'm not saying the Oilers have, have never had any offensive pressure over these last seven or eight games, but they haven't done well overall in those games. They, they need the power play. They need power play goals to help them win uh, the way they're structured right now. So I'm, I'm a little concerned here that they're not, and again, this is not about the quality officiating. To me, this is about the Oilers not doing enough to put teams under stress to draw penalties. Yeah, you're right. This was a well-refed hockey game. It, and there, it was a, a low-event physicality game. There wasn't a lot of hits. There wasn't a lot of things that the ref had to really look at. Um, when teams have success, uh, you, everyone starts watching video, okay? What are they doing well? How do we stop them? How do we beat them? And then some team will do something well against them. Okay, let's follow. What did they do? What was their game plan? Well, when the Oilers were off to their great start to the season. I think it was 16-5. and five. Seems like a long time ago. But when they got around that big start, the way they were winning is they were winning on their specialty teams. They were winning on their power play. There'd be games that they weren't as good 5-on-5, five five, but their power play would win them the game. So teams started to say, okay, we got to simply can't take a penalty because this team is too dangerous on the power play. So now they started playing a little more uh, safe, a little less physical. Um, there was no hooking, there was no getting sticks in. But then you say, okay, now these guys are coming with speed at us. I can't use my stick to hook him. I can't get it on his hands. So let, how are we going to do? Well, biggest thing now, get a lead. Because once we get a lead, then we can sit back with five guys. And now when Connor McDavid's coming down full speed, he's going to beat our first guy, but then there's a second guy there. And he might beat that guy, but now our third guy's there because all our guys are back. So right now, the fact that the Oilers continue to fall behind in hockey games allows the opposition to, to, to play that style of game, to, to sit back. And when you're sitting back with five guys, you're not chasing. It's not like, okay, we're going for a big four check. Okay, they turn it over. Now we've got to quickly get back and, and get back and, and defend. And that's when you get the hooking or the ho holding or, or your stick comes across the hands of the, the player with the puck. We don't see that because most of the players that Connor McDavid is facing is actually in front of them, that Leon Dreisaitl is facing actually in front of them because they're already defending. So I think that's it. Uh, to me, it's teams are playing smarter when uh, instead of taking the silly penalties in B, they're getting leads against the Oilers, 18 or 19 out of 23 games. So now once they have the lead, they can start playing a, a style of game that allows them to have five guys back and defending so you're not chasing ever on the ice which doesn't let you get the, the hooking and holding and, and chopping and slashing penalties that we saw the Oilers uh, scoring on those power plays earlier in the season. All right, 3-2, the Islanders take it in overtime in a couple of minutes. We're going to start taking your calls on the hotline presented by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed Pro all the way, 780-496-0063. But first, back to UBS Arena. Here's Darnell Nurse. Uh, it's a little disappointing that you guys weren't able to follow it up with this equally as a strong performance in the third. Yeah, the second was good. That's the way we want to play all the game. 
Uh, they had a push in the third, and, and we had the opportunity to, to set our own push and set our own standard for the game. So, um, yeah, they, uh, they had a better third and resulted in them getting the, the extra point tonight. Uh, this week, uh, you guys are 0-1-2, but in each of the games, you guys have had opportunities to take control of the game and maybe come out on the right side of them. What element do you think might be missing right now? Uh, you know, it's just the, the consistency, uh, consistency uh, first through the third. Like, when we're on our game, uh, there's, you know, put put us up there against anybody. But, um, you know, when you, when you let teams off the hook and, you know, you, you put yourself in a good position and let teams off the hook, that's, I mean, you're not going to have success on a nightly basis in this league. The, the teams and players are just too good. Uh, you talked about when you're on your game. I mean, you guys have shown that throughout the season, especially given the start you guys had this season. You look at the second period today, you guys were playing your game. Is it almost frustrating that you guys aren't able to piece that together for a full 60? No, this is... Uh, seasons are long, and they're, and, they're, and they're tough. They're not... You know, it's... You're not going to go in a straight line from, from start to finish. You're going to have highs, you're going to have lows, and... Um, you know, if you play the right way for, for a majority of the game, for a majority of the games during the year, um, you're going to find yourself in a good position when the, when the year's over. So we can't get frustrated. We just we know the game and the style that we can play. We've shown that we can do it, and we just have to do it on another basis. Back-to-back -back overtime uh, losses, but yet a point in each game. So I wonder how you kind of size up the Devils game compared to the Islanders game or whether in the end you feel like they're, they're very similar. Yeah, I mean... Um, both both situations right you're in the third period with with a lead um so that i mean we're putting ourselves in a position where we're going into the third period with the lead and that's you gotta you gotta keep or going yeah so you gotta keep that going um it's you don't want to lose these games i mean it's, it's i'm a sore loser so it's not like no, no matter how you lose a game or if you're getting points you want to be on the other side of the, the win column for you getting a goal uh, not that you ever lack confidence but i wonder from that area whether that just kind of helps build your ability to do what you've proven to be able to do when it comes to scoring goals in the nhl yeah i just need to continue to get myself to the to the right spots on the ice and um bear down a little more and i've had uh, a lot of chances and i need to need to find a way to produce more all right, that's Darnell Nurse. He gets a goal tonight as the Oilers get only a point out of this game, a 3-2 overtime loss to the New York Islanders. Rob, I got the uh, Rose Bowl on the TV here that's just starting. LeVar Burden, the Grand Marshal of the Rose Bowl Parade. I just learned that. you know who that is? He's on Star Trek. Jordy LaForge. Yes, the guy with the visor. This is exciting. That's very, I mean, that's more exciting than the football game to you right now, isn't it? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to have to find out why and how they, they picked him. That's well, well, if, pretty if you're, cool. If, if you're uh, ever on a, a Star Trek series, you're set for life because you're always going to be doing conventions, be able to make appearances, do stuff like that. So you mean it, it's better than being an ex-NHL hockey player that has to come to 630 Ched three times a week? Is that what you're saying? Oh, I think so, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but then I'd miss You've you. You've done okay, though. I, 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 well, I get to spend my days with you and Moon, or how... how I mean, what else would a man want? No, that is pretty cool. I just think you'd be bigger if you, you know, you could have played an android on Star Trek or something like that. I mean, seriously, you could, I could have beamed myself up to here and there. I, I'd like that. My wife was a big Star Trek fan. I was a Star Star Wars fan. Well, so. I watch, uh, I, I watch that show that's on now, Star Trek Discovery. I, I quite enjoy it actually. I have not seen that one. I it's uh, it's in its fourth season. It's going on right now, every Thursday. 
So I, I watch it religiously. Well, there you go. Now I know on Thursdays I can't get a hold of you. It's because you're watching <laughs> Star Trek. All right. Oilers lose 3-2 to the Islanders in overtime. So that's a $200 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous. James H. Brown and Associates. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. They're given $100 for every Oilers goal throughout the season as the Oilers now 2-7-2. and two in their last 11 games. So uh, points have been hard to come by lately as we go to the Certainty Hotline and Chris from Phoenix is standing by. Hi, Chris, go ahead. Hey, guys. Uh, happy New Year. Uh, you know, um, uh, my uh, real only New Year's wish is for the Oilers to uh, start playing more consistent. Uh, if, you look at, if, you look at our, uh, if you look at our record, we, we went 9-1 for the first 10 games. And then we've gone uh, like nine, eleven, and two, which you know is sub five hundred hockey. Um, and, and what's troubling is is just giving up that first goal uh, that we've been doing. If if if, if we expect if we expect to uh, to go deep in the playoffs, we can't be doing that. We can't uh, we can't keep on playing from behind. Like the the good thing is is I still have faith in this team. We have a good team. We got a, a great bunch of guys on that on that team. Um, and it's still early. I think we're only what, like thirty-something games in. So, you know, there's 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 lots of time for us to, to improve. It's just, it's just, it just it's just really frustrating when you're a lifelong Oiler fan and you've gone through, you know, the decade of darkness that you you went through before that. Uh, the Oilers possibly moving, and and then you finally get this team with the two best players in the world, and then you watch them put two two shots on the board in the third period. That, that's to me, that's just unacceptable. I don't. I. I do not understand why a team with this many offensive weapons and the two best players in the world doesn't consistently outshoot its opponents. Uh, it's just. It's frustrating. But I, I still have faith in this team. And uh, for uh, for Rob, uh, NHL players don't get uh, royalties for uh, for games <laughs> that are that are played uh, from history. Unlike uh, like the Star Trek guys, I'm pretty sure they get a pretty a pretty penny for. Uh, yeah. All the stuff well, you're, you're right. So, you're right. You guys are great. Love the show. Let's go, Oilers. See you, Chris. He's right, Reed, because they'll replay a bunch of play old playoff games that I played in, and the only thing I get out of that is heckled from my buddies about how long my hair was back there. Never get any royalties. So, yeah, I made a poor choice. That's why my son's into theater instead of hockey now. He has a better chance. Uh, uh, Bob Miller, the former Kings yep. play-by-play guy, I interviewed him a few years ago. And he voiced some hockey play-by-play for an episode of Cheers because remember was it Eddie Levesque yeah. the character yeah, he that was a goaltender for the Bruins he, for a couple games. He dated Carla on the show, I believe. I think, yeah, yeah, I think so. So Bob Miller, they said, okay, we need someone to do some play-by-play. So, so as the characters on Cheers are watching this in the background, we'll we'll hear something. And and he told me every once in a while still, he said it's not a lot. He said it is not a lot, but there's a little bit of a royalty check in the mail because that episode aired somewhere in the world and <laughs> his voice was on. So That is kind of cool. We, so that's what we need. We need to find some Canadian series to use you and I on their show. That's so, right. any, so any filmmakers out there right now, well, Rob and Reed. I think we're the only two people in Canada that haven't been on an episode of Corner Gas. So there's that. There, oh, 
And there is a connection with Letter Kenny, that's right. I believe. So Dylan Playfair is Jim Playfair's son. So, yes. I mean, we are available every night except Thursdays because that's your Star Trek night. All right. Oilers lose 3-2 in overtime. Jordan is getting a $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. He took the under. I set the line for River Cree Resort and Casino. Excitement bet on it at one and a half goals allowed by the Oilers in the first period. They only allowed one. Jordan takes the under. They almost allowed zero. They were three minutes away from not allowing one. Well, in that first period, the five on five, the Oilers did a fantastic job. Actually, through the first 40 minutes, it was the power play that the Islanders got two of those, and that's where they had their opportunities in the first period. And then again, in the second period, the Oilers were good. Uh, but the Islanders took it up a notch in the third period, and the Oilers weren't able to compete. Yeah, and Chris touched on it. I mean, it's, it's getting insane with the first goal. I mean, we've been talking about it almost well we, actually we started talking about poor starts even when sometimes they would score first yep well uh, for sure you're absolutely right there'd be games where the oilers would be dominated and get a, a stellar start from their goaltender and then they'd get a, a a break or a bounce and they would score and you're like okay shots are 12 to 2 for the opposition and the oilers are up one nothing the thing with the scoring first and as that as chris just talked about when you get to the playoffs you're only the only the 16 best teams are in the playoffs so right now the Oilers have come back and won games this season against teams when they've given up the first goal but when you get to the playoffs all of a sudden you're only playing the elite in the National Hockey League and then after the first round you're only playing the top eight so if you continue at an 80 percent clip or whatever it is to give up the first goal you're not coming back to win series if you're playing against the Vegases, the the Winnipegs, the oh, Dallas, Colorados, whatever teams are in the playoffs, Calgary Flames, if you're continually trying to chase those teams, those teams know how to shut games down. Those teams know how to win when they have a lead early. That's why it's something that you want to certainly fix before you get to the playoffs because you might be able to come back and gain a point uh, against the New Jersey Devils or you might be able to come back I against the New York Islanders. But when you start playing the best teams in a best-of-seven series, you're not going to come back and win four games if you've given up the first goal in six of those. All right. Go back to the certainty hotline. We have Arsh standing by. Arsh, go ahead. Uh, hey guys, happy New Year's! Happy New Year. Uh, uh, I had a, uh, two questions. Um, it's it a little puzzling to me that they didn't send Mike Smith down for a conditioning stint in Bakersfield, like after sitting out for almost two months, like uh, just to get back into the groove of the game. Because you sit out for two months, that's a long time to just just jump right back in there and play two games. Um, yeah, I can see your point. I mean. Uh, a lot of players, when they come back, if they're gone for a long stretch, they'll get a game or two down in the minors. But it's not always. It, it's not an automatic anymore. Um, they, players, if they, I mean, the better players are up here in the NHL with practicing. But it would, uh, you would, I, I think health-wise, it's fine not going down. I think timing-wise, you probably could benefit from a game or two in the minors. But having said that, you're getting the timing down against players that are slower, that don't shoot as fast, that aren't as well organized in their own zone. I think the coaching staff, along with the goaltender and the goaltender coach, will talk and say, do you need games in the minors? Or are you fine with a couple practices or a week of practices and jumping in? And I think that they made the decision. So I don't know. I don't have no idea if this injury is something that was caused by him not going down or just another 
unfortunate uh, happenstance. Yeah, so Mike Smith day-to-day, Ryan Nugent Hopkins didn't play today, and Dave Tippett saying he has flown back to Edmonton. Okay, you're going to hear from Leon Dreisaitl. More from you as well. Oilers drop it 3-2 and OT to the Islanders. This is Overtime Open Line. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And coming the other way is Pajot. Down the right wing, into the Oiler end. Stops up. He'll wait. He'll give it to Pelik. His shot and a save made by Koskinen. Miko Koskinen, 26 saves today. That's his save of the game for Reface Magic. Transform your kitchen with ease. See the magic at refacemagic.ca. The Oilers, uh, 3-2 loss in overtime. Badly outplayed in the third period. They had a 2-1 lead after two. Islanders outshooting Edmonton 14-2 in the third. And it took the Oilers a uh, little over 14 and a half minutes to get a shot on goal. A harmless one from Jesse Pugliarvi was their first shot of the period with about 5.23 left in the third. So a second straight overtime loss for the Oilers. And they are 0-1-2, three games into this five-game road trip, which is going to continue on Monday against the New York Rangers. We have it for you on 6.30, Chad, with the face-off show at 3.30. And the game will start at 5. Okay, we'll go back to the Certainty hotline. We have Alex standing by. Hi, Alex. How's it going, guys? Good, buddy. Well, I'm confused. From a search. I'm confused about the Edmonton Oilers and uh, what's happening here. You know, I, of course, I'm hearing all the excuses, COVID, the players, and the coaching, and the, uh, the refs, and they can't score the first goal. Uh, Rob, you said a very uh, you know, obvious thing. If you're not going to, 80% of the time, you're not getting the first goal, you're not going to go far in the playoffs. This team is not even going to make the playoffs the way they're going. Um, I'm very critical of the coaching, the way they, their, their defensive pairings. I don't know why they won't put, put Barry with Nurse. I mean, this is not supposed to be a de- developmental league, and yet they've got Bouchard on the top pairing. Um, this team lacks heart. And that's what it's about right now. It's not about all the other excuses right now. If you don't show up to start the games, it's called heart and leadership and coaching. No matter who you got on that club, Vancouver, how, how good is Vancouver right now? They've won eight games in a row. They've changed the coach. They've changed the general manager. They have the same team. The Oilers here are floundering badly, and uh, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Even if they're healthy, and let's face it, with this COVID and all the injuries that they have this year, they're always going to be missing one or two pieces this year. That's the way it feels. It feels like there's always a hole poked in this team. But I'm, I am questioning their leadership, their heart, and their coaching. I'm really pissed off right now, as a lot of other fans are. Uh, why would you play Mike Smith coming off two months back-to-back like that. You might as well call it back-to-back. They played him, and then you play him a matinee yesterday. That doesn't tell me you have brains. I don't care if Mike Smith was screaming, hey, man, I really want to play there. Like, I really want to get back in the net. Or, and Chip, it says, okay, man, we really got to get you okay, back Alex, enough, that. enough for a second. What do you think the deep pairing should be? The deep pairing, I, I'd like to see Barry and Nurse top pairing they were playing together most of last year 
Okay, and there were uh, and the points were coming. I like to see Bouchard on that third uh, pairing, no matter what, where he should be. He's a rookie. Uh, CC and and uh, Key should be rightly in the second pairing as they started the season. So Bouchard and someone else. He should not be in the top pairing. Put Barry with uh, someone who's got experience. He's been been an NHL uh, player for a long time, and I know everyone's going to be critical of of his defensive play. But he's better suited there than Bouchard right now as we speak. Yeah, I'm a little upset. You're darn right I'm upset. It's, it's, you know, they're not, they're not prepared. There's no heart and leadership on this team. I'm sorry to be like this. I'm just, uh, obviously, I'm pretty choked. Pretty choked at play, playing Mike Smith on a second game. Pretty much to me, it's a back-to-back, even though yesterday was a matinee. That, there's no brains in that, man. The guy was off for two months. Why? Love All the right, show, guys. All right, thanks, Alex. 7804960063. Rob, you got anything? Well, I mean, Alex tends to be—he's one of our more emotional callers. <laughs> he is. Uh, when it comes to the defensive pairings, Barry and Bouchard have flip-flopped all year long. There's been games where Barry started on this top pairing, and there's been games been Bouchard. Um, I do believe that Bouchard—he uh, is more risk-reward. Still, in this early in his career, he's very good with the puck on his stick, but there are some defensive deficiencies that he has in his game. And there's been games where he's been moved to the third pairing. Uh, I think, uh, and the same with Barry. There's been times where he's played in the top pairing and played well, and then he'll go through a stretch where he's not as strong, and they'll move him down. Uh, So they'll flip-flop, and they'll continue to flip-flop. I think right now, Barry is a stronger NHL player, just because of experience, but that could change very quickly because Bouchard's got high ups, upside. As for Smith, um, in all honesty, that's something that a goalie coach will have a better idea with than I would if he's ready and capable of playing. Because, I mean, if a player comes back from three months off from injury, he'll play every game. They're not going to play him a game and then rest him the next one. So as a player, you would play automatically and you wouldn't miss another game afterwards. For a goaltender, that's up to a goalie coach. And better ask, I mean, that'd be something you want to ask Cam Moon. Mooner would be better suited to answer that one. But to me, um, I, I would think that if you look around the National Hockey League, most teams would play their goaltender in back-to-back, coming back from an injury. But again, I, I'm a player, and a player would, be, would react differently from a long layoff. All right, Certainty Hotline, we've got Cam standing by. Go ahead, Cam. Hey guys, how you doing? Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. Hey, I just want to start by talking about coaching decisions. Rob, specifically for you, uh, what do you think of the lineup tonight, especially Devon Shore on the second line? Um, and uh, I guess how are they are getting deployed during the game? I don't think they're being put in positions to, to succeed at the end of the day. I'm very critical of Tippett's decision during the game. And and what, what stuff? What stuff during the game exactly? Do you mean? Because I didn't. I don't think they moved the lines around today. No, no, no. The deployment. At which point do you like play each line? And if you are giving your bottom six enough opportunities to to succeed and get get in a groove and and whatnot, right? Well, yeah, that's yeah. a good question for uh, sure. Yeah, really and, good points. And the, to answer your two questions, you can if you got another one, we'll take it. The first one, I. I thought Fogel was going to be on the line with Dreisaitl, not Shore. That was my guess before the game. Uh, I, I think Shore played well, played some nice defensive, made some nice defensive plays for the Oilers on that line. I think Fogel has more upside offensively 
at this point in their careers than Shore. So I was a little surprised by that. Um, and I and I think Shore is a better defensive player. So if you're on a third line, if Shore Shore could lead a third line defensively. So that was my thought on that. As for, I can see your point. I've talked to a lot of other people about this too. The Oilers are Rob. Let's yeah. let's jump back in after the news on that. Okay. Because I, I think that's that's important about uh, some of the role players yep. who maybe aren't getting. Or are they getting enough of a chance to actually execute those roles? So I, th- I think we should discuss that. But we've got to do a quick news and weather here. Tony and Brad are up next on the open line. You're also going to hear from Leon Dreisaitl. Overtime loss for the Oilers, 3-2 to the Islanders. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Noah Dobson in overtime. Islanders beat the Oilers 3-2. Dreisaitl and Nurse had the goals for Edmonton. Lee and Bavillier also scored for the Islanders as we check the scoreboard. For Edmonton Trailer, looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. Bruins beat the Sabres 4-3 in overtime. Panthers knock off the Canadians 5-2. Hurricanes ring up the Blue Jackets 7-4. Predators pound Chicago 6-1. Games coming up later. Outside, Blues against the Wild. Ottawa at Toronto. Canucks at the Kraken. And the Flyers will take on Los Angeles. Okay, Rob, so, yeah, I think, you know, the, the decision to put shore up there over Fogel was I think very curious um depth players role players if you're playing for the Edmonton Oilers um you know that you are a support player unless you're one of two or three guys when it comes to forwards yes so you have a role are those players given the ice time and the opportunity to execute those roles? That would that would be how I would frame that question that that other caller brought up. And and I've I've brought this up to you before on and off air. Yeah, there are certain players who are supposed to be checkers and killers and shot blockers, like time killers, yep. penalty killers. Late in the game, Drysdale and McDavid are usually on the ice. Uh, the guys who <laughs> are doing most of the other work. So if I'm uh, if I've been signed to play 12 minutes a night, but 90 seconds of those are supposed to be to kill off a one-goal uh, lead, and then I'm not on the ice, I'd start to think, well, wait a minute, what? Where do I fit in here? That's the that's how I would frame that question. Yeah, and, and I've through my career, I played in every position. I was a I was a first-line player. I played in an All-Star game, and I was a third and fourth-line player, and I've been a healthy scratch. So I know all the different roles you are in a, as, as a player. I can tell you this from experience. Well, at the beginning of a season, you're you're more or less given a role. Okay, here's what we need out of you. This is what we're looking for. you. Here's where the spot is for you. If you're on the third line, okay, you're going to play against the other team's top players, and your goal is to limit their chances. Don't let them score. We don't care. And this is where I go when I talk about if you have a third line that doesn't score a goal all year long, but they stop the other team's players from scoring a goal all year long, and you're even, that's good. If you play, if you're a third line player and you're even, you've done your job over the course of the year. So if you're a third line player. And you know going into that game, and I remember the when you, when I went into games, I'd sit with my line mates, it was Robert Lang and Stu Barnes, and we would have meetings beforehand. Okay, tonight we're going against Lindros. Okay, tonight we're going against Forsberg and Sackick. Okay, we got to shut them. You take pride in that. And you know that, and you know as soon as they step on the ice, you're going out in the ice. So now you are into that game, and your whole fo- you'll, you'll lie down in front of shots. You will do whatever it takes to make sure that at the end of the night, They've got zeros beside their name five on five. When you're a fourth player guy, you know that, okay, we're gonna, when we're out there, we're usually a penalty killer. So we're going to make sure that every time there's a penalty, I know I'm jumping on the ice. Late in periods, I know that if I'm out there in a faceoff, I have to block a shot with my face if I have to. I know. And the players that are put in that role, they will do whatever it takes. 
because they know that if they don't get it done, if, if they don't block the shot, if they don't get the puck out at the blue line, if they don't cross the red line and get the puck dumped in, they're not going to play again. So there's a pride that they take. The Oilers don't deploy the players quite the same as that. Because you, as you said, they'll be late in games. It'll be Connor, Leon, and Hyman or something along that line. So uh, from my experience when I played, certain players had certain roles and they knew they would look at the clock or they would look at who was coming on the ice and they knew this is my time and they took pride in the role that they had to be the best because they knew if they didn't do that their job someone else would come in and do it for them yeah and i think yeah and i think that's where at times i i would i would question dave tippett and the staff like okay so your depth players aren't doing much but are they getting the ice time? And Dave Tippett talks a lot about the rhythm of the game. Mm-hmm. But most ex-players I've talked to say if you if you start missing three four shifts in a row, oh. you, yeah. you 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 lose the the rhythm of the game. It's hard to just jump on there and feel like you're in it. Yeah, and, and a, a fourth line player, they know they don't play every four shift. Right, fair. Yeah, they yeah, they fair. know that, but they also know that they're going to play a lot of fourth lines come out right after a, a power play for the other team. Because now, okay, we, they, we just killed it off. We have a momentum. Let's go f- get physical. A lot of teams, coaches, when the other team scores a goal, will throw their fourth line out there. Let's go out there and get pucks in deep and get momentum going the other way. Uh, but you can't have a fourth line get, you know, one shift in the first period, and then second period they get two, and then they, then they don't play again until five minutes to go in the third, and you expect them to do something. You can't do it. You can't. And it just common sense says if I haven't played for 12 minutes, and I'm going out against the other team who's got their second line out there who are in a rhythm, that second line on the other team's got a huge advantage because I've been stale sitting on a bench. Uh, and, and you can say, well, you're professional, you've got to always be mentally in it, but when you sit 12 minutes straight, your mind tends to wander. You become more of a fan. And than you're you wondering if, that, if you're ever getting yeah. out there again. And you become more of a, a, a fan or, or a spectator than you become a player because you've just been watching the game going back and forth. And they'll always tell you, you got to always be prepared. Well, yeah, you, you try to, but still, you're sitting there for long periods and it's hard. Like, you just, more or less, you feel like you're the, 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 the bumper. I'm, I'm just separating the defensemen and the forwards so they don't get mixed up on the bench. So, yeah, that's, the Oilers are a little different than a lot of teams. And tonight was a great example of the Islanders. Now, the Islanders don't have the top-end talent the Oilers have. But that's the Zekas line with Martin and Clutterbuck. They played in all situations tonight. That's their fourth line. They were out there for face-offs in their own zone against Leon Dreisaitl. And Matt Martin, I, 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 don't, I wouldn't call him a skilled player, but when he had to get a puck out of his zone, he did. When he had to get a puck into the offensive zone, he did. That's why fourth-line players like that, and that's been a fourth line in the island for a long time, that's why they stay together. They, ha- they take pride in their role, and they're good at it, and a coaching staff trusts them to put them out at any time. And when a coach trusts you, I can tell you, you, you could be a 10-year veteran, 15-year veteran, or you're a rookie. You swell. When you've got a coach, like you've got, you feel good about yourself when you know a coach will put you out in any situation. All right, that'll be our adjustment of the game for Pro Drain Techs for peace of mind down the line. Oilers fall 3-2 in overtime to the Islanders. We'll go to Brad on the Certainty Hotline. Hey, Brad. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Uh, First-time caller ever. Uh, I got to say, so I've been an Oilers fan for my entire life, and this is probably the most frustrated I've been because I see us as a team that can compete. Brad, Brad, Brad. Yeah. 
First time caller, so I'm going to cut you some slack here. Cut the okay, crap. Yeah. They were 4-15-2 yeah. to start one season. Fair enough. They missed the playoffs by 40 points some years. Yeah. Okay. Now go ahead. Hey, fair enough. So my point right now is I see us as a team that can compete in the West Final, but we're not playing like it. I heard a rumor. Is it true that we're going to give uh, Ryan Miller a PTO? And then my other thing is, like, I do a lot of, uh, I play on cap friendly, and I really don't see what we're going to do next year with, like, if Pooley Arby gets 60 points, he's going to land around five, 5.5 million a year, and Nurse's contract kicks in, and we're supposed to add a starting goalie, a second-line defenseman, and a third-line center. Like, really, Keith should be on that third line. But my question is, like, are we rolling into next year with uh, Smith and uh Konovalov and Skinner as our goalies because we can't bring in a starting goalie? Well, well maybe. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Koss can be back. We're, we're, I have not seen the Ryan Miller rumor. I haven't heard that either. Yeah, I read that uh, a couple different sources today, and I heard it was a PTO is what I heard. And I was just wondering if it, if it's false rumor, then whatever. I, just well, I, I haven't heard it. I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I okay. don't pay attention to a lot of rumors, but... Okay. I don't even know where Ryan Miller is. I just is. don't like. I think we need to have that starting goalie. To, we need those saves that can get us those wins. And we were getting it early in the season, and we're not getting it now. True, but and tonight, tonight they got the saves. We should be competing save. for the West Final, and we're not playing like it right now. But we have the skill to be in the West Final, I think. Well, okay. I, no, I'm not sure about that right now. That's just, uh, I guess, kind of where I'm at. Is like, I think we should. We're we're underperforming where we have the ability to be at. Okay, here's what here. I'm not sure right now that the Oilers, where they are right now, are a team that can compete with Vegas, um, can compete with Colorado, can compete with those players. You got to beat Vegas to get out of the, the our division to get to the West Final. Right now, the Vegas Golden Knights are a better hockey club. As far as getting the saves today, the Oilers did get the saves. They got the saves they needed, and they still lost. So it's not all on goaltending. Now, having said that, I've said this before: the goal, the Oilers are not a good enough team right now to be able to win with just good goaltending. They need very good goaltending. They they bleed too many chances against. Uh, the game against New Jersey was a great example. The game against St. Louis, they give up too many odd man breaks, too many uh, things where it's a it's a three on three, and all of a sudden it's a partial breakaway, and that's not on goaltending. So the Oilers do need better goaltending than, than goaltending than they've had. But it's not just goaltending. And as far as they have the team right now to compete for the Western Conference Championship or be in the finals, well, they have not shown that for a while. Even when the Oilers were 16-5, and five, their record was better than they were. There was a lot of those games when they were 16-5 and five where they were not the better team. Their power play pulled them through, and teams have figured out now, don't take penalties. You don't take penalties, you have a chance to beat the Oilers. There's things the Oilers have to do to improve. Now, either, every team in the Western Conference has... Uh, warts, but right now the Oilers' warts are bigger than theirs. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, they got to play better. And yes, uh, I mean, they're a second-tier team, and somebody called in the other day and said, well, they, they, they haven't improved. Well, over the last two and a half years, that's probably fair. I mean, what were they, 12th overall and then 11th overall? We'll see where they end this this year. I know, I know they're not, it's not looking that good lately, but yeah, they need uh, a long-term goaltender. They probably need a couple defensemen, and you could probably still use a couple forwards. Yeah, they... No, it's, it's probably four to six guys, which is uh, different from 14 players that they needed probably six years ago. True. But, but yeah, now we're talking about them. They got McDavid and Dreisaitl. They got the the high-end guys. How do they get over the hump, for sure? Yeah, no, I... And... They're, they do have issues. It's a team that, and it, there's been a lot of games. Like today was a game that, uh, if 
Connor scores on that one-timer in overtime or Leon puts his puck in that he has a chance in overtime, we're talking about a gritty on-the-road victory. But because they gave up the goal, all of a sudden now you're talking about, well, they need to be better at this. They they just got outplayed badly in New York Islanders. So it's, it's amazing how one shot in overtime can change the entire thought process of of how the game went. Because I, I, I guarantee you that we would have got calls tonight that if Connor or Leon would have scored in their chances in overtime, the Oilers had chances, that we would be talking about a gritty road victory in Long Island. But they didn't get that goal. And Dobson scored, and all of a sudden it's, uh, I mean, that's another loss in the in the books for the Edmonton Oilers. Whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com. Allows you to print up a coupon for a free appetizer. The Japanese Village featuring Alberta's own Brant Lake Wagyu. Visit jvedmonton.ca. The Goal Light was on yesterday, even though the Oilers lost in overtime. We do not turn it on today. The Oilers record now 18-12-2. The Islanders are 10-12-6. and six. They're going to be interesting for, for me to watch, Rob, and I know I know you bring it up all the time. I did pick them to win the Stanley Cup because I was like, I'm not getting fooled <laughs> again. Uh, now, they're doing better lately. I guess they're 5-2-4 and four now since they had that 0-8-3 stretch. They, they have had COVID issues. They have, they have had injury issues. They, they started the season on a long road trip. But if you look at the standings, they got a big hill to climb. I mean, they've played 29 games. They've only won 10. No. And... It, they, I think they are a good team, but you don't you don't vote on the playoff spots at the end of the year if they're five points out. They're going to be interesting to watch because it's still it's still quite a climb for them. Well, it's funny, and this is the one thing that we've talked about a lot in Edmonton over the years. It's don't always look at the results; look at how the team is playing. Because over the course of a season, uh, if you play the right way, all the results equal out. The Islanders and all the teams have had issues with with stuff but the islanders have had some major injuries they've gone through some bad covid and then they had that long road trip to start was it 13 games in a row they started their season all of those things start created a bad record for them having said that their stats aren't bad like they don't give up goals their goaltenders yeah. both have really good stats uh the guy today had a 920 save percentage and is a 236 goals against average and he was 500 now he'd be 18 and two on the Oilers if he was with the goal, uh, the run support that he would have had here. So they are doing good things, and if they start getting healthy, the thing that the Islanders do—they're in every game. They've this was the first one-goal game they've won this year. I think they were 0 and nine in one-goal games. All of a sudden, those things start to even out, but they keep—they stay in every game now because they're so good defensively. Their only issue they have is they're in a tough division with a bunch of teams that they've given a, a head start to. But this is a team that has the ability to get back in the race. They are good. Uh, their defense is strong. Like they, they did not give a whole lot of chances up to the Connors and the Leons in this game. Like they, they are physical. They make smart plays. Uh, this, yeah, I, I think this team, they, if, I don't, they may run out of runway before they, uh, before they, they fall because this is a team that will push for a playoff spot. It's just, is it too late? Is this the same cam I had on before? Yes, it is. Sorry, I, I, I didn't mean to hang up on you. I, I pressed the wrong button <laughs> instead of putting uh, you on hold. I know you had one more. I know you had one more question. Let's get it in quick here now. I've got a lot more questions, but uh, no, just let's uh, just get one in here. Sure. Uh, the arguably the two best games our bottom six has had are the two games that Dave Tippett wasn't behind the, behind the bench. Do you guys see that as a coincidence or? 
States. Um, well, I don't, see, I don't see it as accurate because I think the bottom six played well early in the season. Yes, no, aside from the, I guess, early five games or I, like however many games, but I think, as of late, the two games that he wasn't behind the bench, they've played really good. I, I could see players that players are a little more enjoying them, themselves on the ice, like to my eyes anyways. Well, I think... And I was, I'm just wondering if that's coincidence in your guys' opinion. Well, I, I honestly, I, I think it's more the fact that the Oilers had a bunch of players out and they played more. Uh, they are missing a whole bunch of players in the one game Benson played 15 minutes, which was by far his best game, and he showed he's capable of playing when given minutes. But he was given minutes because they needed it. They had other guys out of the lineup. So I don't think it was as much that they it was a different coach on the bench. I think it was the fact that uh, out of necessity, they had to play more, and they think they showed that they are capable of giving more than we've seen. But some nights when you're getting five minutes, it, it's really hard to impress. A great example for, for me is last night or last yesterday afternoon in New Jersey, I thought McLeod was really, really good. I thought every time he was on the ice, he did something positive. And after the game, I was shocked when I saw that he only played eight minutes. Yeah, that was surprising. That yeah, was, and, and, that's, and that's what we're talking about. Yes. I mean, I, I don't necessarily... I mean, I, it's, it's to me, it's surprising how Tippett is under under fire to the extent that he is. I agree, um, but I, I don't think he's perfect. And like I said, you know, I don't buy into like, well, he he should yell more in post game interviews. I don't buy into that. I, I don't even really think well, the players were happier when he wasn't behind the bench. I mean, I, I don't buy that either. But no. yes, yeah, some of the decisions with the depth players. Um, you know, like McLeod was doing well. McLeod set up Connor McDavid for a goal in the first period. Yeah. Give, give him more shifts together. And he, he Find a up, way to work him in. He set up the goal to shore. Uh, that was a huge goal for, for the Oilers and for a, a third or fourth line. So, yeah, I, the, things like that where uh, sometimes it's easy to fall in love with throwing out 29 and 97. They're the two best players in the league, and they've got incredible stamina. But every time you put them out for 26 or 27 minutes in a game, then all of a sudden that fourth line guy's going from 10 to 5 and the third line guy's going from 13 to 9 and as a role player or a player lower down in the depth chart it's harder to produce it's harder to show well with less ice time all right we're going to take a quick time out here you're going to hear from Leon Draisaitl Oilers lose 3-2 in overtime it's Heartland Ford overtime open line Dry sidle into the Islanders end, stops up on the left, waits about top of the circle, slides it back to the right point. CeCe winds up, doesn't shoot, waits. He'll go across to Keith. He'll pass it on the left wing to Dry sidle goes to the corner, centers it, scores! All right, Leon Dry sidle gets his 25th of the season. End result, though, the Oilers only get a single point today, 3-2. The Islanders win in overtime. Here's Leon. Off the year, uh, how did you evaluate today's game? Uh, I thought we were pretty good again. Um, in the third, we, we dipped a little bit, but um, other than that, in the second, um, they had nothing. Um, yeah, it's, it's frustrating for sure, but um, got to take, take the point and move on. Is it disappointing that you guys weren't able to follow up that very strong second period with uh, with another strong period in the third? Yeah, I mean, you obviously want to continue that. Uh, I think the break probably came at a bad time for us. Um, probably would have liked to score one more, but um, it's, it's the way it is. But 
um, all in all, I thought it was pretty, pretty, pretty solid effort. Um, and obviously, we we wish we had the two two points. You've gotten two points in the last two games, but you guys are obviously hardwired to win hockey games. What element do you think is maybe missing a little bit in order to get those two points on a night? Uh, I don't know. Um, I think we're working really hard. We're trying everything. We're trying to do the right things. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, um, you know, maybe maybe the puck luck a little bit from time to time. Um, you know, the, the ability to put 60 minutes together, um, that's been kind of struggling with that all year. So, um, but again, tonight was a really, really good effort from us, and um, it's frustrating that we couldn't get two points. All right. Well, 40 minutes were pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think the third was great. They only got two shots on goal, but uh, that is Leon Dreisaitl after the game against the Islanders. Uh, we'll quickly get in Tony here before we wrap it up. Uh, Tony, you got about 40 seconds. Go ahead. Okay. Um, happy New Year's, first of all. The three things I've been wondering is during the slump, isn't the reason why we brought in Keith is to kind of help in this kind of situation where, you know, we're down, we're feeling defeated. And you know how, and I was, when I was listening earlier, you guys said that we're hoping that Smith can come back and be the goaltender he was. And why would we be hoping that when most of the seasons he's been injured? Like, why don't we, like, I understand not try, like not trying to get a goaltender, but I'm afraid this season is going to slip here soon if we're not careful. Well, that's what we're saying. If Smith isn't healthy, they, they might have to speed up the process of getting a goalie for sure. Because it's just to the point where I, like, I'm honestly scared that we're putting too much faith and hoping, hoping, hoping instead of winning, like what Tippett wa- what Holland wants, win now. Yeah, no, that's that, that's fair. Yeah, I understand what you're saying because Koskinen has proven that he can't be a, a full-time starter, and I, I don't know if Skinner's ready to tackle that yet. So, yeah, I mean, if Smith is going to be out here a long-term, Rob, they, I mean, who knows? We could be looking at something. I, I, I had not heard that Ryan Miller thing but at all. I that, don't know. That would shock me. Well, it would shock me because I don't, I don't know where he is. I don't know if he's playing. But I he's mean, retired. Yeah. So why you, you're going to bring a guy that's retired back to play? I mean, he hasn't been the same Ryan Miller for a number of years. I don't think. Uh, bringing a player out of retirement is the the thing that's going to put a, a team over the top in, in winning playoff series. That would that would shock me. Yeah. All um, right, Rob. We got to go. All right. Well, that's we been go. fun. Let's talk to you Monday. Sounds good. Three thirty face-off show game at five. Oilers at Rangers. Thanks to Troy Bowler and Angie Quinnell for their work behind the scenes. Oilers lose in overtime, three-two to the Islanders. This has been Harlan Ford overtime open line from the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. Have a good afternoon.